everyone, it's Sarah Mason from the HMC Network, and this is the Age of Distraction podcast series. This is part six. I'm here with my co-hosts, co-hosts, Stephen Gogshow and Warren Lewis. I don't feel like a co-host, do you, Stephen? I don't feel like a co-host. <laughs> just like a guy that shows up. I feel like we just got a, uh, a promotion. I you like did! <laughs> this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of things, one of them being how video games is taking over as the most popular content in the world, Fortnite specifically. Uh, And we're also going to talk about how that's affecting streaming, the movie box office business, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So let's get into it. With the advent of streaming and now with the popularity of video games, there's a generation of people not only iPadded, but also completely out of touch with the moment and from each other and that concerns me too i know they can be in touch online what do you mean out of touch i mean i mean the moment that we're living in Mm. somebody's uh, attention is somewhere else or someone's consciousness as steven started to say was is somewhere else i mean this is not mere fandom video game uh, participatory games allow you to go to another place well people that are star wars fans or big Blockbuster fans might go to Comic Con, but one of the, or but they have a, a they have a community. These folks might have one too, for all I know. But it's online, and it's not the same thing as intimacy. Well, um, I, I don't know that much about Fortnite, but you play it with with others, right? Yes, they play it online with others. So they can play it by themselves right. too, but that's what it's it's become the social they they it's replaced Facebook. They're on there more than you know. That's where they do their chatting and everything. I sound really old saying it that way, but that's Hitchcock said when he made thrillers, his goal was not to scare people. His goal was to take the audience and put them in a place where they were experiencing the protagonist's journey intimately. That they 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 were not mere spectators that there was them on the screen. Hmm. I wonder if this is sort of an odd Hitchcockian either dream or nightmare that in fact <laughs> it is, you know, that it is that it is the individual on the screen. I, I, I don't know if that's relevant to this discussion, but, you know. I, I, I wish I knew more about Fortnite yeah. and its structure so I could weigh in on this. Uh, but, uh, and you may... Um, a bit. Is yes. there a great narrative yeah. associated? Yeah, there's. With it? I mean, that's the thing. With there are great narratives with video games today, and they're great characters, and it allows them to be these characters and to assemble characters and to put, you know, gear up their characters mm. and change what they look like and add. You know, one of the coolest things is to be able to change your uniform or your armor or your hat, you know, all of those things, how you look. I mean, it's really, it's like dress up dolls to an extent that is way beyond anything. But you're dressing yourself. You're dressing yourself or your fictional character and you're, I mean, it's really pretty, there's, there's something about it. I mean, I, I would have been completely taken by it if I was a kid. Right. No doubt. I, um, I want to find a silver lining in this, which is why I asked that. Mm. Meaning that 
um, if the narrative in some of these video games um, is extraordinary, then um, I'm I'm comfortable that that kids are are, are choosing narrative over something more ridiculous, mm-hmm. which is to say. You know, a quick pop of some idiot influencer on Instagram. Hmm. They're doing that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, as evident by how popular a lot of influencers influencers on YouTube are. But I do think Fortnite is the number one thing that's getting kids' attention today, and it's it is addictive. It's a it is a problem in some respects. I do think there's there are cool things about the narrative, but what I find you know fascinating to me it's once again video killed the radio star. Mm. It's that's we're there again. Well, but we're video game killed the moving image star. You know, and um, it's inevitable, I guess. But I'm wondering what Hollywood's going to do about this. Because certain, a lot of stars are jumping into this. Like Keanu Reeves is in Cyberpunk 77, which is a very popular game coming out. And he, everyone freaked out with him. He's like got a real big role in it. And a lot of stars are getting into gaming. Because I'm sure there's more money in it, for one thing. That's all you have to know. If that's where the audience is. If that's where it is, then that's where it is. Right. To paraphrase somebody else, the difference between a neurotic and a psychotic is a neurotic builds castles in the air and a psychotic moves in. I think a lot of these folks might be moving in, and that concerns me. Mm. Just because the lives that we lead, people in this room, left to our own devices, wouldn't probably be more less isolated than they are right now. We wouldn't be in our cars all the time. There'd be a community. And that's, that's what concerns me. Violence in video games does not concern me. I grew up on war movies, and so far I haven't killed anybody. But well, There is a community in Fortnite. A lot of people will argue, the people who are for it, you know, mm. and all the video games will argue there's a big community there. But it is online. It is make-believe in a lot of ways. And it is, there are dangers to it because you can pretend to be someone you're not and attract kids, you know? Okay, I'm a, uh, maybe I'm giving my age away more than I already do, but I think there's a big difference between making up and making out. And I'd like to see kids <laughs> make out more, if at all possible, and, and just have the sensual experience of being with people that they love or yeah, people you, that they yeah. hate in, 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 in real, real life. In real life. Yeah. Um, does that make me an old fogey from a Hollywood perspective I got no complaints really because Mm. the business will content will always dictate the business always 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 always. content and distribution are kind of neck and neck Um, you mentioned something before about the studios poaching Oh, oh. subject, but uh, no, actually, it's it's kind of a good segue. Okay, well, uh, you mentioned something before about the studios poaching Amazon and Netflix executives. Well, right, there's. I think that we're, you know, there's a changing of the. There's been a changing of the guards to the streaming platforms, but now it seems like they're struggling to get their footing a little bit. So, case in point, uh, Amazon's acquisition at Sundance of Late Night, which was expected to be, it got great reviews, but. It is a massive failure um, from, you know, they spent $13 million on it. They spent like $46 million to market it, and it's projected to only make about $20 million, um, theatrically. And 
that they have had this model with, you know, Jennifer Salk, who was an exec at NBC, came in to take over the film division. It seems like she's struggling to figure out what to do with film distribution. And it seems like they're struggling to figure that out. And meanwhile, Disney's gone and poached some of their execs and some of Netflix's execs and Warner's poaching. So they're all, it's like I, I'm wondering where this is going to fall. Well, I look, there's the sort of specific case of that movie. Um, and uh, they didn't put a star in it. Uh, Emma Thompson? Emma, no. Is she? I mean, she's, yeah. a, she's a wonderful she's critically, actress. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's very watchable. Um, but who's freaking out over Emma Thompson? Mm. And, I, and, I, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say the same thing about Mindy Kaling. Yeah, she has well, a niche following. I'm totally freaked out about Emma Thompson. The older well, she I have to agree. I, I, I am too. <laughs> but, but, but no, you're go- right. You're right. And, and so, and the subject matter, um, um, again, is kind of niche. Like, how many people, like, I watch late night TV, but if you really look at the numbers of late night TV... The younger generation's not watching it they at all. They don't watch it at all. No, they watch the clips that they've heard are maybe funny the next day. Th- this seems like poaching deck furniture off a sinking ship to me Mm. Uh, because Amazon executives releasing working for a company that releases theatrically is a complete paradox it doesn't make the least bit of sense at all the reason there's Amazon executives at all is because this is a product that's delivered to your home like your new box of raisinets (laughs) so I mean but that's the point and this distribution model is not what they bring with them true it's just well, I don't know where the theatrical business is. I sent you an article earlier, but this week I think you got it about the death of Hollywood. The death of Hollywood started with the first Batman, which is ridiculous. Wait, I, no, I don't think I did get that, but it I'd was, like to hear more. It, it was some, you know, meaning the 1989 Batman yeah, that just said its 30th because anniversary. It established the, the, the sort of rules of studio distribution. Now I think it's some egghead getting. His signals crossed. But the, the interesting point that he made is since that moment, the studio sort of went into another business. And that business was the tent pole and the big, the, the big event and everything else sort of fell by the wayside. Maybe this is something that's happening and it happens all the time with this new distribution medium. It's, these things are never a straight line, ever. Not since the dawn of film storytelling. Uh, the younger people, it's true, are a very, very special market. That's one of the reasons we're sitting here is because they're a special market and they're a very alone market. Mm-hmm. They don't want the communal experience. And they, you can't put a gun to their heads and make them do like what we like. I think maybe it, we're talking about an entirely new industry. Well, and I think we're talking about theatrical distribution dying across the board. I mean, if you look at this, the numbers for this summer... Like first of all, they they put out all these sequels and they all bombed. Everything's bombing. The small screen we've talked about this a lot is doing better. And ironically, niche content on the small screen, like Fosse Verdon, did mm. incredibly well mm-hmm. for FX. Um, I bet kids didn't watch it. Uh, but you well, just, you just used the no, word. No, kids didn't watch it. Well, look, uh, this is something we've talked about in some version before. Is um, is is not just the cost of going uh, to go to a movie, right? Uh, these kids, w- w- when we were kids, you know, and had to pay seventy five cents for the Nickelodeon. It's a joke. 
<laughs> but it was it, it was kind of a it, like Warren alluded to. It was a communal thing. A group of us would go. Right. Yes. And and now it's um, look. Uh, the three of us have money to go to a movie, but think about what it takes to spring your family uh, for a day at the box right. office when uh, is Netflix what nine ninety nine. No, it's now twelve ninety nine. Well, it's still less still, than it's one le- movie. Yeah, no, exactly. Even parking here. Yeah. And so yeah. the phrase that we all sort of either use in our head or or with uh, whomever we're with is, you know what? I'll wait. Yeah. And the end of that ellipses is I'll wait for the flat screen <laughs> because eventually, and sooner than later, it's going to come to your television. There it is. And for, and, yeah. and and I know you 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 were getting to this. Toy Story 4 is not doing that well? It, well, I mean, it, it, relatively speaking, it made a lot of money. Okay. It won the box office, but all, but you have to kind of get into the, the numbers with all of these. If you look at how it's performed, the, the entire summer has not performed well. Men in, bl- um, uh, Men Men in Black, Black The World, or whatever it was called, great. did not do well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, who wanted to see that fourth in that franchise, you know? Like, I think we've, I think, th- what I really think is that Marvel Endgame was the end yeah, for a lot. I think it's it, it marked a we're done. Okay, end end scene. Well, end decade. It, it, it's a good point because um, sometimes the sequels. I'm trying to put my head into the, the body of a young person, which means my dental work would be better. But uh, <laughs> this seems like another generation's entertainment to me. Yes. Who's going to see Men in Black? It was a big deal when it came out for us. But now what? Yeah. We, we, have, we have moved on from that. You used the word before that was very interesting about markets. And you used the word niche. And I'd like to... I'll accept that and I'll raise you. Mm. Target. It's a targeted audience. And you, television and streaming services and the cable services have conquered that. Yeah. I, I mean... I, I saw Fossey Verdon because I've had a, you know, I was there for all that stuff and I loved it. I'm not sure I'm their target, but they sold the hell out of that show. Here's the thing: to people who have the money to buy the product. But that was on basic cable. People or, have the money to buy basic cable. Yeah, okay. You know? And they're not playing video games. They're in this remarkable world. I yeah. think. Um, when I when I first heard about it, I said, "Oh, it's going to be Flashdance," and then I realized how lame. That was because it, it's just not appropriate. This is not the first time the industry, as I said before, has in some ways held on by its bleeding fingernails mm. to the past that they created themselves rather than, as we say back in the different era, knowing, looking at what time it is. So if we're trying to claw back theatrical distribution we can't i don't think we can put that that back in the box it's, i don't know can we well it's 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 even it's even quaint i hate to say it those it, it, it feels quaint to me and i wish it worked you know i wish it was great because most of the movies i like were not made during my lifetime so you know it'd be great to be able to see them on this on a big screen but it just seems quaint to have a bunch of people in the room saying we're going to sell this movie this week 
There's other there's, factors, too. Yeah. There's the fact that when I go to a movie theater, I look for the exits just to make sure that I know how to get out. No, I mean, that's a real thing for people. Like, the concern over, are we going to, is there going to be an active shooter here? I mean, there, there's, like, there's, and, and then there, I think the reason I brought up the whole video game cycle is that, okay, so that's where they are all at. That's what's most popular to them. When we were kids, it wasn't video games. It, the people who played video games were kind of the, the nerds, let's face it, you know? And it, the people who play videos today are everyone, every kid. So where's their future going? Like, if they're not watch, going to the movies now, they're never going to go to the movies. It's sort of like smoking. We have to get them young. Yeah, yeah. And but again, I, I I I like the notion that they're still compelled by a great story. Yes. that they're still interested in a narrative. And and this is just my way of saying to myself, don't freak out. <laughs> People may still want to make your movie. That there's mm. still an audience. Uh, for a great story, um, that that's what they want. Right. Well, we're I'm, still we're still those those people gathering around a uh, campfire because it it's scary and dark out there. Mm-hmm. With the storyteller in the middle, that's great. That's who we are as human beings. It's probably the, the defining quality aside from this opposable thumb thing we do. But psychologically, culturally, this is who we are. We want to be taken out of this and taken someplace. My only concern yeah. is. I'd like to see us go there together, but that's just not going to happen anymore. Meaning what? Meaning um, that they don't care about having a communal experience. Yeah. They're, they're, mm. they're just saying, what do women over 40 want to see? They, uh, they don't, but they might want to see Diane Keaton in a cheerleader uniform, but I think No, I, I think no. that's women over 70, and I don't think they want to see it either. Uh, well, they, I think they thought that they wanted to see Emmett Thompson uh, grappling with um, no longer I, being relevant I think, in, in late night. I think we do. I think that's like uh, that's something I I went to see it. Oh, I did. wanted to. Yes, and I want to see it, but I did. And I'll it's wait. very good. Okay. It's incredibly well written. Yeah, it's. But it, I I thought to myself, why isn't this just being released streaming? Because. You know, you'll find your audience like Amy Poehler's um, Wine Country movie with the five friends. Which I heard was terrible. It was mixed. It was not terrible, but but I mean, that's it got a lot of streams. I mean, right. I think that I don't know. They have to figure out how they're going to make money outside of you know. For Amazon, they're just trying to bring more uh, subscriptions to Prime. But they're also saying, well, we have to have a theatrical release for Oscars, too. This is an interesting thing, the whole theatrical, uh, clinging to the theatrical release. When you get right down to it, we're past the, and this goes to another point you didn't bring up, and I guess, and I might, which is how this affects the technology mm. of making movies, too, because it's a direct connection. There's no, since you're not paying, like in the old days, for prints and advertising, which is a big part of a movie budget, what's the downside? There's no downside to a theatrical release, really. Word of mouth? Word of mouth will last for 20 minutes, and when that thing's on your screen at home, you will watch it. Because the people that are watching on that, we just said, the people that are watching it streaming are not the people going to the theater. What do you mean, what's the downside? There's I no mean, the da- downside the, is it's too expensive. The downside, it, well, it, it's, it, there's no downside, really. It's just, it's just a little money. 
It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Okay. To, uh, to open on Friday. I'm not sure it's the challenge The challenge it used to be. Uh, it's The business has changed to that extent. When I was a production assistant, I violated union rules weekly. almost got beat up over it to carry film cans, which is a union job, up to a projection booth. Nobody's doing that anymore. So with the freedom from that or the what looks like freedom from that, maybe we release a little bit and get some word of mouth going. Maybe we release a little bit to a certain kind of audience that is, in, that is influential, I guess. But people aren't going... I think the problem is, like, those kind of movies, people aren't going to the theater to see. Hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're saying, like you said, we'll wait. We'll wait. I'll wait for that one. Unless um, there's a... They have a stake it, in it. Yeah. It's, hmm. it's sort Good of... Point. For example, here's my thinking on... Toy Story 4 is I read a review I read Anthony Lane in The New Yorker who's blue chip right, right? and he loved it and now I and I want to see it and so then the decision making is do I need to see mm-hmm. this on a big screen and it's Pixar and it's going to look great mm-hmm. and it's going to sound great and my my TV's not going to do it justice but late night like why do i need no, to drive over to uh the arc light i just i was interested but but you're right and i'll raise you on that one which is i used to do that i used to say okay here's the movies i have to see on the, the big screen that number that i have to is whittling down yeah, and yeah. more and more normally we would go see godzilla Without hesitation. Right. We'd go see the Men in Black movie. We'd go see... There was a whole string of movies that came out in the last couple months that would be... Last summer, I would have gone to see opening night. But in one year, I have now like literally kicked to the curb my rules for going to see... It's not even ones I feel I have to see in the big screen. Now it's... I don't even know what it is. It's okay. Is it really going to be good? Is it going to? Is it a sequel? I don't want to see a sequel anymore. Is it like there's got to be John Wick three? I wanted to see that on the big screen. That was like the only one I cared about. And the Tarantino film that's coming out this summer. I see that. I want to see that on the big screen. But those two, those do those make sense as in under those rules? Not really. So I don't even know. I don't know myself. That's why I'm trying to figure it out. Something's well, shifted. Look, think of the machinery at work um, that's 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 being used to launch that movie. Mm. Um, you know, their little visit to Khan. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And you're actually going to get. Tarantino and Brad Pitt and yep. Leo to do uh, the rounds. I mean, maybe not the Today Show, but they're going to make the rounds yeah. for this movie. And what's what's disconcerting to me is um, that it feels and it feels kind of genre. The only movies that can launch now. Yeah. And mm, I don't point. write genre, and I don't even particularly care about mm. genre as a view, as a as a viewer, yeah. as a consumer of pop culture. And and I'll say this because I, th- I thought you were getting to this. It's like a, a really terrific romantic comedy. Mm. What was the last one that you saw? And in and, the theater or just in general? In the theater. 
Oh my goodness. We're out of that business. And and that's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, that is. And think about it. That yeah, sort that of is. extraordinary experience, a date night movie, mm. um, you know, mm. a, a Friday night uh that's pretty full. Uh that's you know, uh no, no one dies. Maybe the best friend at some point. <laughs> uh, but these these human beautiful little movies aren't getting made, and 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 they are. Look, uh, praise to to uh, to long to long form storytelling that takes place on television now. Mm. But some of these stories are two hour movies. Uh, I mean, two hour stories, an hour and forty five minutes, and um, no one's writing them. Um, because they're not going to get made. Yeah. You know, this is a general lowering of expectations. If, if my industry is losing Sarah, mm. we're in big trouble. Great. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, who, Sarah's yeah. an adult. She's, you know. Yeah. She loves it. An adult film. And an, she's a, not going. An adult film girl. You've lost her, guys. You got to do something about getting her back. And yeah. I don't. And maybe getting her back means. I'm going to say, use, use the I word again, is giving her an intimate experience that she can actually share with the people on that screen. You're right about romantic comedies. There's nothing more intimate than a romantic comedy. There's no genre where the stakes are higher because mm. it's, you know, live, die, live alone, die alone, don't have a family. These are big well, stakes. Yeah. And I, I can't think of one off the top of my I can't even think of a successful one streaming that isn't. I can't either. How can I put this uh, without... That isn't messagey. Yeah. You know, that's not trying to sell me or some... Cloying. Oh, cloying or cloying. Cloying ideolo- or yeah. ideological. I mean... I, you but know, they did, look, Hollywood did it well for decades for and decades. decades. And, um, and, and as Warren said, the stakes are high. Yeah. And... Um, and... Um, I don't know how they're going to find their way back around to those kinds of movies. I guess Netflix on the small screen and yeah. Amazon are going to try to make them. This, this, a, 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 so this is one man's opinion. I have no science to back this up, but there's a problem with that. I think is that maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong that the date night romantic comedy is the act of one person dragging the other. Usually. In our modern era, this isn't Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell, you know. Usually it's someone saying, I want to see this, and someone else saying, uh, whatever, whatever, sweetie. Do we have to? Yeah. And, well, if you want to kiss me. Aww. <laughs> it's so wonderful that, that in his condition and his age, he still this wants to get kissed. Really I just think it's awesome. Um, but maybe that's the answer. Maybe the romantic comedy is too PG. Well, because actually, as you say that, I think if I had to pull one out, they'd be, and these really aren't the example, but Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind are like the Pitch Perfect movies. Right. And those aren't, they they insert, there is romantic comedy, it is rom-com, and they, but they also sort of go off the rails of trying to insert shock and awe into it and i think that's what everyone thinks you have to do to get people to come into the theater it's like it's got to be something crazy like the um the ya novels uh where one of the kids is sick um you know there's always a romantic tragedy romantic tragedy very nice me before you yeah well, Adam Sandler's new the, the Jennifer Aniston movie that's done really well on Netflix, and that's a rom com. 
Okay. And that, but that's on Netflix. They didn't do a theatrical distribution. And when I saw that they weren't doing it, I was like, that makes sense. That's where you should put it. Well, they made a massive deal with him. And yeah. which made sense, right. even though he doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and and I suspect it felt safe for Jennifer Aniston, who's had an up and down career, um, and in the movies, uh, to then do this piece and not have to sort of act under the Klieg lights of a big uh, summer release, right? Uh, because if it did bomb, we don't have to hear about it. It would have bombed, I think. I mean, I don't think that That's movie right. can go to the theaters and make money. No, there's no way. I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a movie like that that could go make money. I, I, I guess you wonder, for, for, for name actors like that, is there, is there safety in not operating under the Klieg lights? That they'd rather do because mm. the paycheck's probably pretty handsome, and right so, now it is. But I think that's going to change down the line because right, right, right now Netflix is just going cash, so cash. Right, right. It's like back in the '60s, a, a TV star going out of town to play the dinner theater in, in Ashton, North Carolina, or something. So right. That, and if they blow the odd Asheville. couple, that's fine. I don't know anything <laughs> about that. <But> <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lexington, somewhere. But uh, and if they bomb doing Neil, a Neil Simon play, who cares? Yeah, no one's going to see the people in the theater. Jennifer Aniston has done some great romantic comedies she on has. the screen. Yeah. I've gone to see them, but this She's, again is years ago when yeah. you did that. It's another generation's entertainment. Yeah. So I, I think it might be worthwhile, maybe in an academic sense, to take a look at the generation—not here for crying out loud—but to look at the generational changes because it, it's a cycle. Really, it's more like a wave. On an ocean, they rise and they fall, and they rise and they fall. We've gone from the epic to the epic. On Turner Classic Movies, the epic one week is, you know, Samson and Delilah, the epic of its time. And now it's... Superhero movies still, but I think they've come to the end. You know what's had a comeback, Mm. like, steadily, and I think it's going to continue, is the Western. The Western is evergreen for a couple of reasons. I agree with you. Although, if you ask people, they will say, I don't like Westerns. I love westerns. I know. It, I, I was, you know, again, westerns are my, th- are my thing. But um, the western is evergreen, especially since now. I'm um, looking at you, a certain TV show. People have embraced the darkness of it, and they spun it. Yeah, with the sci-fi twist. Yeah, well, ge- genre blending is making movies. That's all there is. <laughs> but some of the best films I have seen in the last year mm. are westerns. Uh, the Sisters Brothers, hmm. which if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. You know, my, I think a pretty good bellwether where the industry's going is like my students at the university. Because they are the, the, the juicy target demographic. Right. Yeah, what do they have to say? They say no thank you. To going to the movies? Yeah. They say no. They say Are they no, playing Fortnite? <laughs> they, this, I guess. I, I, I don't get, fortunately, I don't get to go to their homes. And- but... Um, um, I have people in my class who just, and these, this is the target demographic, folks, who just don't want to see a superhero movie anymore. And if you're losing them and you're losing Sarah, there's something wrong here. Oh, they don't want to they see a superhero. No, Interesting. Um, there's always going to be buffs. Like if someone yeah. released Platoon 2, I'd probably go to it. But uh, they're just not interested. And you know what? That's not their fault. 
That sucks. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, here's what's going to be a bellwether this summer. I'll tell you right now. Mm. Is if the Fast and Furious spin-off movie Hobbs and whatever. Right. If that performs really really well, then I don't know what to say. Then then we're still dealing with people going to those kind of movies. If that bombs, then I'm correct that we're on a downward spiral. I just have to throw out that we're, I think we're directing ourselves primarily to the American market. Oh, yes, you know, so. of course, because a lot of these films... Well, that's a thing. Do you notice that like when they used to do the box office tallies and they'd say this, they, it would all only be the domestic market that they would throw the number out there now. Now they give the worldwide number because it's a bigger number and they don't want to look like they're bombing. Also, it's where they're making their money. They're except, making their money in China. Except China. Yeah. I'm looking at you, China, for yeah. variety of copyright <laughs> reasons. But uh, Do the Westerns do well internationally? Uh, they do do well internationally. Um, but they do, you know, I don't know. And I was, I don't necessarily know that they're performing. Yeah. But they're, I found that they're consistent. They're, they're, they're becoming sort of like what horror movies are. People are just doing them all yeah. of a sudden again and they're they're very good like i've found that most of the westerns i have seen uh there's a series of them that just came out in the last couple of years hostages mm. the ballad of buster scruggs um even back a few years ago 310 to yuma but there's um there's a whole series of them that have come out recently and they're very good really good filmmaking really good storytelling you know it's um it uh, some of my favorite movies of all time are westerns. Mm. But Butch Cassidy and yeah. Sundance Kid, Unforgiven, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, the American movie. Yes. <laughs> okay. And um, and I wonder if maybe because uh, it does feel escapist, yet somehow rooted in a kind of reality that it's not, mm. you know, um, coffee shop. You know New York, right? Uh, but it—it's not, um, you know, superheroes flying. Right. I think that's uh, why but, I'm but, attracted to them now. Yeah. yeah, it's the revisionist Western will invariably lead to the classic. It's a post-Sergio Leone kind of right re-examination of the Western, which strangely enough is closer to the real West than the uh, the scrubbed clean version. Well, What's interesting is my, among my students, among these these uh, Lambkins. <laughs> the undergraduates, they have such buffs for horror movies. That yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that'll no, never die. No, but it's, it's amazing. I just, you know, the discussions in class have nothing to do with me. And some of them are so obscure that I've had to literally go searching for these odd little, I'm not watching. I used to work on horror movies. They still freak me out. But uh, that's interesting. That's evergreen, too. That completely. I mean, they, and, that will. Ne- that is a, a sure bet. Sure bet. People will go see those. Okay, well, people always said that slasher movies were indication of our society falling apart. That didn't quite happen, did it? <laughs> well. <laughs> well, we still have opposable thumbs anyway. <laughs> I don't quite understand the obsession. You don't, you don't like them at all? Um, you know, I'm scared enough by life as it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a mirror. I mean, and to me, I'll tell you why I love them. Because it's a safe place for me for all my fears. Right. And it's a way to, you know, I mean, I go back, like, I loved the original Halloween. I, I, I love the original American Werewolf in London. Those loved. are my two, movie. two yeah. of my all-time favorites. And I just was 
obsessed with horror. I became obsessed with John Carpenter mm. and all his work. I loved The Fog, everything. But now it, they've gotten really sophisticated. Mm. Not always. There's, but I mean, Hereditary, which was a darling of the film festival circuit a couple years ago, and made a lot of money. It was one of the the ones that was acquired by Amazon that made a ton of money and theatrically as well. But it's also critically really good. Get out. Get out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have mixed feelings about yeah, Get Out. And and it and it. I um, you know the expectations for it were very high for yeah, me. Yeah, and it did really well. Uh, but I didn't think it was. I didn't that either. Remarkable. I l- actually liked the TV movie in the in the eighties right. better. I because it was closer to the story. But there, but so there's been some misses like this new Halloween that came out in October with Jamie Lee Curtis. Forty years later, it was terrible. But there's, it does seem to be something that certainly independent filmmakers can get money for without from an investor pretty easily. And that will just keep going and going and going. And I think people will still go to the theaters to see horror. The, 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 the horror movies that are really making money on a small scale are the ones my students are watching, which still, after all these years, are still slasher movies yeah. and are still million-dollar budgets. Right, and they never ever get theatrical distribution, and they, they, technically they couldn't get theatrical distribution. So, so they're and watching online. They watch. Uh, generally speaking, they're getting them, they're buying them online. Okay. Yeah, you know, generally, it's an iTunes kind of or whatever. Right. The, whatever the purchaser, and they have an amazing word of mouth, an enviable word of mouth, in their demographic. That's for, and it's you know everybody knows it's a. It's an old saw that the best way into our industry, in, in some ways, is a horror movie. Because they're accessible, and you can do it, and you, you knucklehead friends can do it on, on not much money. So, no. You know what's interesting, though, about horror? That whole like renaissance that it had back in 1998 when mm. Scream came out, mm. and then, the follow, then you know, sort of like this cheeky but good horror films where actual movie stars inserted themselves in it, and it yeah. was cool to do that. We had another kind of renaissance of that horror over, like a few years back um, with The Conjuring and that mm. whole Blumhouse group. And um, Ethan Hawke has become like Mr. Horror Guy, and he's a critically acclaimed Oscar-nominated actor. Like, there's a lot of actors now. Like, Tony Collette did Hereditary. That's a thing now. It's like, it's cool if you're an A-list actor to be in a horror movie. I'm looking at you, Vincent Price. Oh, God. Don't you love him? Well, that's the point. He was an A-list nominated actor. With, was he? Yes. With, uh, he was in Laura. I think he was oh, nominated right. for Laura. Uh, who at one point said, okay, I'll do House of Wax. And that changed everything. Yeah. You know. Are we, are we making 3D movies anymore? It doesn't seem to be something people are taking. I mean, you can still go to them at the theaters. I think they just do have a version like there's the 3d version in the imax i personally hate the experience i don't know about you guys but it didn't it didn't bring more people to the movie theaters which is what i thought they they thought that's what was gonna happen yeah another cycle that come up what this would be the third 3d experience yeah that goes doesn't go back to like the 50s 
the, uh, yeah, it goes. I mean, the, the rudimentary can, days of the it. Argument, yeah, argument can be made that it goes back even further, but it, it, it was in the fifties, and there was a, a spurt of them in the seventies, and here they are again. Yeah, but that was there was big money in three D. Now I've seen exactly one three D movie because it makes me a little queasy. I know that's how but, I feel. Uh, I saw Avatar, and I'll never have me too. That's seven hours back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, okay, <laughs> since, okay. Now that we're talking, frankly, <laughs> Avatar was insulting to every human being. That I ever agree. Not to Marion Williams. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> but Ding. I digress. No, well, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was wondering how long it took to bring. <laughs> yeah, she, well, yeah, there's certain people in I her life. I went down her Twitter feed. I just had to last it night. It was hilarious. It was great comedy. It was great comedy. I have to do that. I have to and do that. someone retweeted a tweet of hers which was if you want to understand america please see avatar (laughs) no are you kidding did she really say that yeah she did she wrote that Uh, you mean or just see pocahontas the the disney version or i can't see uh you know fern gully (laughs) you know what she's already gotten enough airtime. i don't know if she can play outside the malibu country mart (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. The New York Times wrote a um, a piece today that did not make fun of her. Oh, really? Yeah, it upset me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, the New York Times does not have a humor section generally. Uh, I, I would throw since we're talking about westerns. This is completely off everything. But I want your opinions on this because I'm going to talk about film criticism. This is kind of a wild card here. Tell me, gut reaction to this question, and go to both of you, what did you think of Dances with Wolves when you first saw it? Um, I, I think I was annoyed by it. Mm. Um, it felt silly. Interesting. Um, That's what you thought. When, in 1990, you thought yeah. it was silly. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I never bought it. Uh, I, I never bought him. Um, and um, again, having loved westerns, um, it it uh, it it felt more silly than than real to me. It was probably the, one of the r- rare politically correct moments in my life. Disliking that movie so much. Okay, is because I have a feeling your answer is going to be different. My answer is absolutely the same. I hated it. Didn't it win everything? It won everything. Wow. I dis- I absolutely I laughed. I heckled it. And I read Pauline Kale's review in the New Yorker and she hated it. And people gave her so much shit for that review. And I fell in love with her. <laughs> like it's, immediately. It's, on a certain level it's kind of bulletproof for a certain kind of way of thinking, but it, so it, Tom Cruise made a movie a few years ago about some American guy that travels among the samurai and teaches them how to be samurai. Oh, last samurai. It was just this this guy leaves the civil war and You're, that's a good the, comparison the, actually. These, yeah. these Native American people are, are, are living their lives, but you know what we've been waiting for, waiting for all these years? This schmuck. Tommy boy. Yeah, this guy that, you know, to show us how to do it. I think what one what one was a certain kind of a thing that they did in a certain attitude on the part of the audience because they actually and they played this up big time they actually used a native language in dances with in wolves. dances with but here, here's one thing visually that bothered me so much and it's been streaming recently so that's why it was on my mind but i actually have another point and i'll get to it in a second 
uh, the actress who played the woman that he Mary Mary yeah, McDonald who had a big career back in the day yeah, yeah. she did she was a family did why does she have layered hair <laughs> like white people's hair grows out layered don't get like my hair um, doesn't grow out layered you know, like it just doesn't a good blow dry <laughs> <laughs> on, on the set <laughs> good night St- was, it bothered me so work. much her hair she's got this like layered tousled hair instead of like she just oh she, yeah i do remember that she was a child yeah, was she would it was absurd and they kept doing these things to kind of differentiate her as the white woman right. and that was their big move with that and uh, well anyways the reason i brought this up is I'm wondering what you guys think about the role of film criticism, TV criticism today. And, uh, you know, I think we've had this conversation about Rotten Tomatoes before where it's like everything. You know, everyone's a crazy. As soon as Yelp came in, we're all food critics. We're all movie critics. And, and, you know, if you actually look at the algorithms for Rotten Tomatoes, the people that they get on there are not real critics. They're not the Anthony Lanes, you know, some of them. Right. But so what's what do you guys think about that? The role of it today. I think. The, I think it's another. In, in the main, it's another word for advertising for me. I okay. Mean, I, I, I'm subjected to kinds of criticism. That's the, the thing you see in the newspapers and on television. Which there was a certain moment in our culture, and all of a sudden it became breathless. That stuff is just very breathless. Whether the whether the the subject in hand is terrible or great, it's all just so very breathless. In the academic world, I will spare you because no one knows what they're talking about, including me. So, well, I'm sort of obsessed with film criticism. Oh, um, I I again I I don't read everything, but. Um, I sort of have a few critics, again, I'm going to use the phrase blue chip, and I really trust them, mm-hmm. and I I want to know uh, what they think, um, in part because it informs me as a storyteller mm-hmm. to hear the really uh, talented uh, uh, critics um, talk about a movie in a different way mm-hmm. um, as a form of storytelling, mm-hmm. and so I, uh, you know... Uh, uh, for me, it's edification. Mm. It's just you know, th- there's always something to learn from them. Um, but the good ones are highly entertaining, yeah, and funny, yeah. And I love it when um, they don't feel bought and. Mm. I, I think that uh, this is what you were referring to: bought and sold by the studios, and uh, like Pauline Kale. And yeah. just I she forgot. Great. I think she called Look it dancing with feathers. A di- different, yeah. cl- different class of, of uh, critic entirely. But the yeah. ones who uh, there's a guy who actually lives in Santa Monica. Uh, he's 81 years old, Joe Morgenstern. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he uh, d- he does. And uh, uh, doesn't he have an NPR show? Um, he he does the Wall Street Journal. Oh, okay. Every Friday, and um, they're shorter uh, pieces because of space, and and. And when he doesn't like a movie, he lets it have it. Um, but it's because he loves the movies, mm-hmm. and those That's are the right. critics I like to read. Yeah. And um, and and I do often make a decision to see or not see, or to seek out, because a lot of times they will highlight a movie. Like they they wrote about a movie recently. It was Elizabeth Moss movie mm-hmm. uh, that probably didn't get a lot of play, but Joe Morgan Stern said. This is one of the great performances wow. of the year. Wow! So I'm okay. Gonna, of course, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to go, or maybe I'll just wait. 
<laughs> I'll just sit right here until something happens. Huh? I, I have to agree, though. I do. I. I mean, I've spent some of my career as a film critic, so I care. Like, it's something that I care a lot about, and I seek it out. I I have found myself being more seeking out listening to podcasts mm. and NPR. Yeah, there's a great uh, actually KCRW has a great guy Elvis. I forget Elvis his name. Mitchell. He's fantastic. Drink and he yeah, and he often finds things yeah. that. Uh, you know, he found that "Sorry to Bother You." Remember that film from last summer? Yeah, he. I heard it about it from him, and it was one of my favorite films last summer. And so, mm. that I I agree. I seek it out, but but we're in I the think industry. We're in the minority. I know. I, I, I think it's become like you were saying. It's become marketing. Well, yeah. there was a moment when it happened, and I blame uh, Entertainment Tonight. Leonard yeah. Malton? Uh, no, Leonard Malton. No, nice the, the Access uh, Hollywood yeah. and all that oh, entertainment yeah. when, journalism. When that broke out, and all of a sudden the grosses became yeah. like public knowledge. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was this. There was this moment. I'm not naming names, John Tesh, but, uh, <laughs> but there was that this, goes back. Yeah, I know. But that's. The, I, I remember just sitting up, being a young, struggling production guy, and thinking to myself, "Why is someone doing this? Why is someone telling me what the grosses are? People in Kansas want to know this. Well, guess what." I guess apparently they do. We created that. And that's the kind of film critic I'm talking about. The literary, literary critics are a whole other story. The ones I'm subjected to when I deign to watch broadcast television. We live in Los Angeles, guys. Yeah. And those people come out of Los Angeles and New York. Not to get on my, my soapbox, but one of the things that's wrong with our culture is a lot of things come out of Los Angeles and New York. And it's snide. Yeah. And, and it's, you know. Well, I mean, industry, you know? and I mean, I th- I think that's interesting what you're saying. That's true. I think it does go back farther than I realized it because I'm. But but then I think the rot- Rotten Tomatoes really punched it into like, okay, this is literally all we're an engine for Disney. Rotten we're, Tomatoes is like shark attacks. It's very easy to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was another subject I want to talk about, uh, which is film tourism. Hmm. Uh, it is. I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys. Okay. Um, travel and tourism is a 6.3 trillion dollar business, but one, and one out of five travelers goes on a vacation to seek out a filming location. Wow! wow. Isn't that crazy? Like so, Dune Castle in Scotland, which doubles for Castle Lock and Outland, the series Outlander on Stars, 91 percent increase in visitors. In the last few years, Harry Potter Studio Tours the number one attraction across the UK. It's, it's more popular than the than Palace, the, oh, wow. than Buckingham Palace and the London Eye. Game of Thrones increased, like Northern Ireland has four, gets forty million dollars a year, and from Game of Thrones tourism, and that's, that's just that is literally just Belfast area. That doesn't count like Dubrovnik and like right, all Croatia. the other places. Sure. Yeah. So and now Chernobyl HBO's series. I don't know if you guys have seen it about the disaster that happened in um, at Chernobyl, the nuclear disaster. Uh, people, it has boosted their tourism. By like eighty percent, and I and I heard that I was just like, "Bua!" Like, first of all, is it safe to even go there? But it like that's how captivated people are, or wanting to go. If it, if that can boost tourism, 
my God. I mean, this industry is huge. Like, you know, Chernobyl used to have a, um, a big industry in motorcyclists because you could crank it on the road, on real life roads, and not have to worry about hitting anything. Mm-hmm. That wasn't glowing, I guess. Wow. Um, but I, I'm not surprised at all. Because we have crept in, if you creep into people's brains, it's like making a, pilgr- a pilgrimage, isn't it? But don't you think, I mean, do you think this wasn't a thing when we were kids? Like, was it? Like, not like this. I mean, it's really be- Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. Can, look, um, it makes sense to me. Hmm. And it speaks, it, it's a testament to the power of uh, of shows and, and movies that captured uh, people's imagination. And, and in a way, maybe it did exist because hmm. people came to Hollywood. That's true. They okay. they wanted to see uh, Marilyn Monroe's footprints at 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 the man at, at at the Grauman. They wanted to go to the back lot and have uh, some kid point and say, "This is where Mary Tyler Moore's you know apartment was." And um, I uh, I was in the West Village in New York recently. And I was going to see a friend of mine who lives on Grove Street, which mm. is a spectacular street Certainly. Um, in the West Village. And there was this crowd of people on this one corner. And I was trying to figure out why they were there. They were there because that was where they shot the opening uh, exterior shot of where the friends wow. oh, right. No kidding. right. And every day, 365 <laughs> days a year people are taking their picture in front of that. Wow. And um, I don't want to demean their sort of compelling interest in sort of going to these spots. Um, and it's too bad that they're not seeing more interesting parts of the West Village <laughs> or maybe going to places other than Winterfell when they go <laughs> to Northern Ireland. But look, if it gets people out of the house and... and, uh, and would, you, would that be something you would do? Like, or is there anywhere you'd like to go in the world to see a location of something? I've done it. What was that? Monument Valley, because I wanted to see where the searchers was shot. Oh, yeah, you uh, love that. And you I, love I, the I searchers. I love that stuff. And uh, I, don't, I, I show people around here and in New York locations, uh, which are pretty obscure generally. But I, I think this is perfectly admirable. And because and so it's also kind of proof that we've gotten into people's brains and they want to share that experience mm. and share the character's experience. I think it's, it's kind of great. And if it serves North Ireland or Iceland or wherever the heck yeah. they're doing it, good yeah. for them. And I just, I've just i been bitching all this afternoon about communal experiences. Well, here's one. Yeah, it is. It's true. Know? And I'm in a room full of people that are fans that are not, you know... Look, the the uh, the metaphor is um, getting outside of yourself and um, finding an experience other than than your own, and and hopefully great storytelling does that. And then if it gets people on a plane uh, to seek more stories, even if it's just to see where uh, Hodor died. Um, I want to see where Hodor Hodor died. (laughs) (laughs) Or or how about this, to see where uh, Steel Magnolias was filmed. That's a very popular location in Louisiana, in Natchez, Louisiana. It's in Mississippi, but thank you for playing. No, it was filmed in Natchez, Louisiana. It's it's Natchez. Natchez. Yeah, sorry, I pronounced it wrong. That's all right. But the 30th anniversary of that movie this year. and Like, there's... 
I mean, I actually would go do that. I mean, I do like to go do that. That's oh, like great. a big thing. You didn't answer the question. Do you, have you done it? Would you do it? Um, I would say if I were there already. Okay. For no well, other reason, the, I would that, take yeah. that uh, side trip. But but there where? Like, is there one you could think of? Like, let's say this. Let's say you're in Iceland. <laughs> You'd go maybe see some of Game of Thrones filming locations. Absolutely. But you wouldn't go to Iceland to do that? Not if my life depended on okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, two out of three. More full, more full disclosure, there exists in a friend's photo collection of me walking across, I think it's 54th Street, like Sidney Falco in um, Sweet Smell of Success. Towards the twenty one club diagonally, exactly the same way. So, see, you got it. You got it in there. You, well, you I, like I that do, stuff. But I, I was living in but, New York anyway. But, uh, but you know, when I look, um, when I watch The Godfather, oh, God. and I see their version of the Lower East Side, I want to go down to the Lower East Side, and it doesn't look like that anymore. Mm. But I can still picture it. I cannot believe I've never told you this anecdote. When they were shooting Godfather two. I was working in production at the time and sort of on the edge of what I'm doing now, writing and all that. And my father, who was in his 80s, I said, Dad, come on. I knew, I knew one of the hard crew on The Godfather. And it was the day before and they were dressed. And I took my dad and we went down. He was born there. Mm. And there's chickens walking around. <laughs> what? Uh, there were chickens walking around and there were extras and, you know. What oh, was wow. It? And, yeah, clothes. You know, <gasps> they just, and I said, you know, he, he was sitting on the grip truck. And it was a big, great moment for me, actually. And I said, Dad, what do you think? And he literally said, big deal. It was always like this. <laughs> Funny. What was being filmed? Godfather 2. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, Godfather 2. But I, I, I think it's magical to, t- to take people, if you can. I do, too. To places where things have been filmed that, yeah. Ma- yeah. that matter to them. Um, if you're going to Chernobyl, guess what? You're still going to Ukraine. Right. You know, you have to go. Th- it's not just a, the Chernobyl experience. Disneyland can do that. You're, you're staying in a hotel. Yeah. You're eating in a restaurant. You're meeting people, whether that, whether you like it or not. So, you know. well, it's true with all of them. I mean, I mean, to me, as a fan of doing film travel, it's like you're doing. You're obviously going to other places, but to me, it's an opportunity to live, literally, insert yourself into the stories how, that you yeah. love. How great is that? Yeah. I'm just try- sitting here trying to think of where I would go right now if I could. I, I have a huge wow. list. You That's do great. not. It's on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the game. Of, I'd love to do all the Game of Thrones yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, no, I'm I'm going through like Instagram every now and then. I'll see someone in Dubrovnik, mm-hmm. and I'm. It looks pretty nice. I want to go. I know. I know. Berlin. But look, uh, the, the, the larger no, point no, is no. great storytelling. And and cinematic storytelling invites you to sort of be more curious about the world. Yeah. And so, God bless people for uh, for getting off their behinds and, and going to see Absolutely. something great, other than it, their own neighborhood. It's a great thing. Oh, I just have another location to show people uh, in see? Brooklyn. It's intoxicating. Uh, it really is. Uh, the Saturday Night Fever tour. Mm. Oh, that would be fun. I do. That would be really uh, fun. And one of the things we do is stop at Lenny's Pizza, of course, on 86th Street. And um, the old dance studio where you practice. Uh, with, yeah, with, see, that'd be fun. That's still there. Um, like that, th- you know. There's a reason they insert the Brooklyn Bridge 
mm. into those yeah. shots. Yeah. There's a reason we gasp when we see a movie from the 80s or 90s and the Twin the Towers. towers there. Yeah, no question about it. And so, uh, you know, these things transport and um, to time and place. And, you know... Uh, you know, it's not reading a novel, and it is visceral, yeah. and it is emotional, and 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 great filmmakers understand that. Uh, it gives people, uh, you know, it's not about facts; it's about feeling and emotion. Yeah. And and when that gets in your system, I love that people can't get it out of their system. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I'm in this game for that. To, to, you know, to somebody something to think about about two hours later or three Very hours nice. later me too there used to I be a bar it. in the village this is i used to go there just for this reason you know uh it had all the furnishings from the ile de france okay which is a legendary yeah, yeah. ocean liner but it's also the ocean liner in the last voyage a remarkable movie that not enough people see and i used to just sit there god this is where woody strode carried the lady up the stairs and then it was just Obscure no idea what he's talking about, obscure. but I'm going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. but I get it. Like no, I get the yeah, passion no. and the feeling. This was an ocean liner sinking, and unlike Titanic, and when you see shots on the deck of the people running around in the mm. water, that's because there's people on the deck running around while the ship is sinking. They sunk it out here in Santa Monica right. Bay, and then raised it again. And it's really a great action adventure movie called. All right. I will look it up. I'm going to leave it on that note. Uh, Thank you, Stephen Gogshow and Warren Lewis. A pleasure. Always a pleasure. My guests. But I really like to call you my co-host now. Can I call you my co-host? You never gave the title of this one. That's correct. The series. Age of Distraction Part 6. That's it. I think you did it. we, We don't have a title for this series. Age of Distraction. Oh, Writing no, in, in the beginning, oh, I did say Age of oh, Distraction, okay, okay. but I didn't give the subtitle. Got any ideas for that subtitle? <laughs> Three people who love subtitle. TV in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it in post. The movies were not... <laughs> <laughs> Get it in post. All right, everyone. I got, I got your subtitle. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we'll watch it later. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you. We'll wait for it. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. We'll wait. Uh, as always, go to thehmcnetwork.com for more episodes of the entire series of Age of Distraction and other cool stuff that you can read and watch online. And we will be back, hopefully, for part seven. Nice. Yay. It's nice to know where you're going. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you. Hear you next time. Thank you.